Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman in London. Over in India somewhere is Neil Manthorpe. For the next 25 minutes or so, we're going to be hearing from the South African coach. We're going to be hearing from the New Zealand captain. We're going to be hearing um, from uh, the Afghanistani coach as well. We're uh, we're really going to be looking ahead to a, a rerun of the uh, the Rugby World Cup final, of course. Uh, South Africa taking on New Zealand. Huge game in the Cricket World Cup. Australia will be watching on, that's for sure. And uh, there's plenty to discuss as uh, two of the informed teams go head to head. You're listening to Following On. Story of the day. So, Manners, where do we find you this fine day? John, I'm in uh, Pune, which is about 120 kilometres outside of Mumbai. You can fly here, um, but uh, there's a new, um, brand new fancy highway that's just been completed. Uh, uh, one on which Rohit Sharma was recently um, caught speeding, doing 160 kilometres an hour. I think the speed limit's 100. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it. In Pune, at the Maharashtra Cricket Association Stadium, which this may be... Uh, something for another time but i can tell you absolutely categorically that uh, as marvelous as it looks on television this stadium with its gigantic grandstand at one end it would not have been approved as a world cup venue in any other country under any other circumstances it's half built well as long as the cameras point out away uh, yeah. then uh, it's a bit like your <laughs> uh, if listeners haven't subscribed to your substack column they really should but one of the uh, takeaways from I'm not sure if it was this week's this week's article you're writing a few a week but uh, you said that 25 years ago you used to buy uh, food on the streets and now the only thing that changed is that they've all been moved to these kind of like mock-up food courts with a little kind of fancy sign in front of the stall but the food comes from exactly the same place 
uh, it's just a little bit more expensive. And that kind of sums up uh, what it sounds like um, watching some of the World Cup games in India. Uh, look, we've got a big game on Wednesday. I'm pleased to say that. It's not involving England, of course. Um, but uh, coming into this match, it's it's almost it's almost the battle is on not to face India, isn't it, in the semi-finals? That's kind of what it's all about. You did write, though, that South Africa don't want to leave themselves in a position because they do have to play New Zealand, India, and then Afghanistan, of course. Don't want to leave themselves in a position where coming up against Afghanistan could be a winner-takes-all clash. But but surely the, the race is really about finishing second or third. Well, that's exactly what it looks like. And you actually said uh, 10 days ago, I think, 10 days ago was the first time that the top four aligned as they are now, India at the top, South Africa, New Zealand and Australia. And you said back then, um, with uh, with the team still having four or five games each left, that's the way they'll finish. And it's very easy to, to think of that, uh, to think of that way, because the top four are... Um, well, they were four points clear of the, the bottom six teams until Afghanistan's victory uh, last night. So they're on six points. And funnily enough, I, I really think Afghanistan are just one more upset away from a genuine uh, push for that fourth place. And they could just snatch it away from New Zealand. I mean, you look at the remaining fixtures and suddenly you realise that it's actually not all done and dusted. South Africa could easily lose to New Zealand and India. Um, you would have thought somebody's got to lose to India at some point. Um, maybe not. Maybe they'll go on and win 11 in a row and win the World Cup. But Afghanistan um, have uh, I've got uh, the Netherlands next, uh, Australia and South Africa. And I think that an upset against Australia or South Africa, provided they can overcome the Netherlands, uh, could see them genuine contenders for the semi-final places. Um, New Zealand could slip up, you know, uh, Sri Lanka are finally coming into some form. That's their last game. Uh, they've got South Africa tomorrow and then Pakistan, who still think that they've got a semi-final chance. So basically what I'm saying is I, I do think that it's, <laughs> the teams it's in the top four positions... <laughs> yeah, well, well, maybe not, but I just think that the potential is there for it to get interesting, maybe just for the one semi-final place. Well, look, we're going to hear from Jonathan Trott later in the show, but boy, oh boy, I mean... This is a guy that, well, he he batted ugly. Let's let's be honest. Um, when he, uh, I've seen him in the media and on TV. It's not that it comes; it doesn't seem to come particularly comfortable to him in that environment. Um, I'm not sure if you agree, but listening to him speak as a coach, I'm listening to a completely different person to to the one that I saw bat that obviously struggled greatly towards the end of his international career, and then. You know, like all cricketers do, they dip their toes in the world of the me- of media. I'm not sure that he really wore that that coat particularly comfortably, but I tell you what, man, is having listened to him, and we're here a bit later. Just seem it just seems to be such a snug fit, a really, really, um, a really, really comfortable fit for uh, for Trotty. And you know, when you bear in mind he's never even been to Afghanistan, he's um, it's it's just working. I couldn't agree more, and I think he's the embodiment of what uh, what defines successful a successful coach at international level. Because after all, um, you know, whether you're from England, Pakistan, or the Netherlands, or Afghanistan, uh, you assume that uh, by the time you reach this level, you've pretty much worked out your cover drive um, and uh, and your seam position. So I think it's um, 
it's really about getting into the players' heads and making them as comfortable as possible and making sure that they are in a position to play at their very best. And to hear the Afghanistan captain talk about Jonathan Trott and what an inspiration he's been and um, the fact that he just tells them to relax and go out there and play and enjoy the occasion. And I think that, you know, the fact that Trotty did have problems towards the end of his international career, um, and when I say problems, I'm talking about um, his, his love of the game, his affection for the game. And after all, many of us have had love-hate relationships with cricket um, over the years. It's, uh, it's affected all of our lives. But I think that if Trotty can, can really put the emphasis on the love side of the game, which clearly he's doing, uh, he's having a massive, massive impact. I, I have to say that I never thought that uh, he, he would make uh, a great coach in his very early days. But boy, oh boy, what an impact he's made in these early days. Well, let's actually hear from him now. It makes no sense to to leave that interview to later in the show. Um, Jonathan Trott, talking about how he's gone about coaching this Afghanistani team. We've been working really hard at our batting and, and doing the, the basics. I know it's very cliche, but the way that we train, um, the the things, the way we think about our cricket, certainly when batting, the way that we accept responsibility at times as well. I think you're starting to see, hopefully, the not the penny drop, but we're starting to see also the confidence in the players, in their own ability. You know, um, there's such uh, an amount of talent, and just given a bit of structure or given a bit of a game plan, understanding what makes them the best players that they can be. A uh, tactically wise, but also the way that they train and they think about themselves and the way that they think about training and how they go about it. Um, and so when it comes to match day, it's not just sort of rock up and it's left to luck. It's sort of, um, no, I'm, I'm here and I'm in good form and I'm ready to play and I deserve to score runs. And, and I think hopefully we're seeing that and the guys can take this from this tournament and take it also into the next uh, important games coming up. Well, I think in this day and age, you know, my generation or generation before me, you always, I think with coaching players, you always coach them to expand their games and push the boundaries with regards to how quickly they can score. I think with a, with a side like we are, um, you know, growing up having played T20, it's actually almost the other way around where, just, you know, we saw two in batters there in the last 10 overs and how quickly we scored. I mean, we scored 40-odd runs in five overs in the last 10. So I, I, I can't remember exactly what the stats are, but it was, on, it was close enough to that. Um, so those sorts of things, those positive messages, you know, take responsibility when you're in the middle, make sure you're in you know, the last 10 overs, and it's amazing how quickly you can score um, by just playing good cricket shots. And, and, and that's, I think, you know, what we have as you know, very talented T20 players. And again, giving them a bit of, you know, it's okay to go at six and seven and over. You don't have to go at 15, 16 and over. So, um, and at times they do. Naturally, they score that quickly anyway. So it's really exciting to see, and I'm really chuffed for the, for the guys in the change room, and it's, it's a great feeling for, you know, for all the other coaches as well um, to come to World Cup and, you know, have, uh, be playing some nice cricket. So listening to that, Manners, it is fascinating, isn't it? Because I completely take on board what you're saying and what these um, Afghanistani um captain uh, was was talking about taking the pressure off enjoying your cricket but there there is more to it than that isn't it and I just wonder whether there's a little lesson in there for England you know because what he said was 
it's not good enough to just turn up knowing you're a good player. You know, it's not good enough just to be a just to just to turn up at, at these competitions. You you still got to work hard, and you still got to do the things that have made you a good player in the first place. The other thing, and so I went through the the, the press conference. If you if you're interested, just head over to the ICC website. It's, it's all there. Thirteen minutes. Now, normally, when you get these press conferences through, and I put a bit on on the following on podcast, it's pretty easy which cut to go for. It wasn't. I, and I'm not even sure I've selected the right cuts, you know, because he speaks so well. He speaks about so many different facets of the game. One of the cuts I didn't put in was talks about the importance of high intensity training. He says, when you come out of the net, I would rather you want to be feeling like you've had a proper workout, not that someone's just thrown down a couple of half trackers to you. That That is interesting when you consider the way that other countries England, potentially, approached training. You know, we were in New Zealand. They just got rid of two days. It was supposed to have a four-day warm-up against um, a combined New Zealand side. And England thought, nah, just have two days. You know, they drew that series. They didn't win that series. Um, And similarly, you know, it's about intensity, replicating the intensity of the match. And I suppose Afghanistan, you would say, if you're an England team, say, well, Afghanistan are coming from a different place a different position. They didn't even win a game four years ago. We were the champions. So they've got to do things differently. And I I fully understand that. But it's still very refreshing to hear, nonetheless. And you can't argue with the results. And as you say, Afghanistan, they have two big, big games where they could spring that surprise. Let's The biggest surprise of all is if England beat Australia on Saturday, but let's let's just throw it out there that they do. Suddenly, Afghanistan, if they beat Netherlands, they have got a massive opportunity. Massive. You know? And as another of the cuts that Trotty mentioned, he said he likes to bowl first because it's when the ball is drier and his spinners can get can make maximum use of the conditions. You know, and he's and he's also talking about different. He says one of the beautiful things of touring India is is that you have different conditions and different pitches. So they essentially select their team for the pitch. You know, of course, all teams do that. All teams do that. But I tell you what, I could tell you exactly who the Indian 11 is. I could tell you exactly who the Australian 11 is. I could tell you exactly who the South African 11 is. Can't tell you who the Afghanistani 11 would be every, every week. So, again, it's very, very interesting. Anyway. I tell you what, John, uh, just in summary... I'll put it. I'll put a question to you. Mm. I think that the difference between Matthew Mott's job and Jonathan Trott's job is Trott has to remind his players that they are better than they think they are, and Matthew Mott has to remind his players that they might not be as good as they think they are. Which one would you rather have? And one of the points I made to Harmy in the last show was, I wonder whether Matthew Mott will actually find his job whether easier, I'm not sure. But to ha- it, come December, when some of these big names have gone, and it is his team, to a point, whether he will feel more comfortable in that environment with younger players looking up to him in need of more either encouragement or technical analysis or whatever it is that a coach does than the one that he's got now. Possibly. Possibly. Because I, I, I totally agree. Um. Shall we talk about South Africa, New Zealand a little bit? Because 
Well, let's hear from the South African coach, because again, we're talking about coaching. Jonathan Trott grew up um, and born in South Africa, an England international, now coach of Afghanistan. Of course, South African coach, he's had his own journey, hasn't he? Um, He was in New Zealand for a long, long time and was asked about the inside information he may have on players that, of course, he even played against. Yeah, there's, there's some local knowledge in terms of their players and I've worked with a fair number of them and played against pretty much every one of them. So, uh, you know, quality cricketers stay quality cricketers if it was just as easy as doing your scouting or your your prep against them and that was the end of it. Uh, it would be a pretty easy game. So they've been playing really good cricket. A little bit of inside info on them and we'll see how that stacks up on the day. That's just the world, isn't it, that we... Uh we inhabit and it certainly makes things a lot more interesting but for listeners who aren't aware of the South African coach give us a give us a little bit of an idea I mean of course we've heard many times that England came up against him but give us a little bit of a an idea of the kind of person he is and and the story he's had to get him to this position well no first class experience uh, for for a start um but he you know was ambitious as a player as a young man um but then moved into uh, strength and, and conditioning um and uh, physiotherapy uh, so he was a he was a, a strength and conditioning and fitness trainer uh, for the titans and then uh, he was appointed to the national team almost exactly a decade just over a decade ago actually 2011 um but always had ambitions to become a coach. Um, he, he worked under Gary Kirsten when he was a South African coach as the um, strength and conditioning trainer, um, threw a lot of balls in the nets, and uh, players began to realise that he knew a great deal about the game and about coaching rather than just ball throwing um, and, and biokinetics. And uh, it couldn't see a way uh, to advance that side of his career at home in South Africa. So he emigrated, he moved to New Zealand and has been working there for the last seven years, culminating actually in taking the New Zealand A side to India last year. So, you know, that's pretty much uh, a sure sign that uh, you're being lined up as uh, a future New Zealand coach. Uh, When South Africa knocked on his door and said, um, actually, you can come back and do our job. Now, he's still very much based in New Zealand, not him, but his family and his two young sons. Uh, so there is very strong possibility that he will go back to, to New Zealand. But um, he has uh, he obviously has uh, an allegiance to the country of his birth. But um, I think that quite a strong part of him uh, also has a strong allegiance to New Zealand and for the opportunities that uh, that, that country has presented to him. So I'm not saying that he, he's got split loyalties um, for, the, for the New Zealand-South Africa game. Uh, but, um, yeah, he, he certainly has a strong affection for the opposition. Well, off the top of my head, that may, I, I guess Rashan Ravindra would have got toured in that team. Yep. I've, got a feeling, I've got a feeling Will Young might even have toured in that team. I'll have to have a, have to, have to have a little look. Uh, New Zealand are South Africa's bogey team, though, aren't they, in World Cups? Uh, no, the Netherlands are their bogey team. Um, wow. no, you're right, actually. I think New Zealand, yeah, New Zealand have have won a lot more. Okay, I mean, there's 2015 semi-final. There was that, obviously the first there, one that comes to well, there, mind. Actually, it wasn't. But there was a quarter final. That that's the one that comes to my mind. They're, when they squeezed, didn't they? And and I I tell you why it's I tell you why it sticks in my mind because you know we 
push all the cliches to one side, but you don't often see a nasty New Zealand side, do you? And they were nasty. <laughs> they were. It was. I thought it was absolutely brilliant because it just looked like a kind of exhibition in role playing. Because you you knew that they they weren't. I mean, you've got Daniel Vittori getting mm. into people's faces and jabbing people in the chest. And I mean, it was it was the quarterfinal. It was in Dakar in Bangladesh on a really slow low pitch at the Sheer Bangla Stadium. And South Africa thought they got the game by the scruff of the neck, and they uh, restricted to New Zealand something like two hundred and thirty. And um, and and New Zealand just thought we we're going to have to be nasty. We're going to have to get in their faces. We're going to have to rattle them, and um, and they did it. You know, it was um, it was it came as a real shock. And I think that was the key uh, to why they did it. Um, they you know they they thought how are we going to unsettle South Africa, who are going along really nicely? How are we going to shock them and distract their attention? And that's that's how they did it. it was led by uh, Kyle Mills, um, who was twelfth man. He was twelfth man. He came on with, a, right. with the drinks yeah. and uh, and started mouthing off and it was a, he off came on. Me. He came on when someone was out, didn't he? So was it Faf or maybe even no, Graham, no, no, Graham Faf, Smith? Yeah, it was Faf that he had a go at. Faf, yeah. that, very young Faf that he perceived batting at number right. seven, and he was the key. And uh, Kyle Mills came on and just gave him an absolute spray. And GPC uh, still remembers it to this day, being totally taken aback. And, you know, it's just like the last thing he expected. And it, and it rattled him and it worked. Oh, brilliant. Well, I tell you what, let's hear from a more laid back fella, uh, Tom Latham. And of course, New Zealand done so well, but they've been hit by a few injuries along the way. Kane Williamson's only played one game. Lockie Ferguson um, couldn't bowl. I think he could only bowl three overs against Australia. He got picked up an Achilles. Similar to the test match, the only test match he ever played, I think. He picked up an injury against Australia then as well. And uh, Mark Chapman, who was on that tour. Mark Chapman was on that tour to uh, to India. Um, so let's hear what Tom Latham has to say about those injuries and also the challenge that await. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. 
In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Uh, Lockie Kane um, and, and Mark Chapman um, will obviously get through hopefully a bit of work today and um, and then we'll see how see how they pull up um, from, a, from a selection point of view. But yeah, obviously Lockie uh, went off uh, in the last game with a bit of an Achilles um, niggle. So, um, you know, fingers crossed he'll, he'll be right for tomorrow. I mean, listening to that Tom Latham interview, you could almost be hearing Kane Williamson speak. It's all very much, it's just, it's boring. Let's be honest, it's really boring. But it, it makes sense, you know. At the end of the day, they were facing a huge target against Australia. And they just, um, they did a lot of good things, didn't they? They just fell short. And and I suppose they're absolutely right. It was a, It was an opportunity, but there'll be bigger and more important opportunities to take. And if they just carry on going as they've been going throughout the tournament against South Africa and their other teams they've got to play against, they'll they'll get there. Um, which is a surprise because when I saw the way they went out against England, I thought this is a team that's got such glaring deficiencies. And yet, what, six, seven games in, those deficiencies, having to rely on Rashan Ravindra's, uh, you know, slow left arm or... Glenn Phillips off spin or the fact that, you know, they've got in Latham, Williamson, Will Young and maybe not Chapman so much, but Ravindra. They're, they're, there's no out and out explosiveness to their, you know, how are they ever going to chase down a big total? Well, they, they very nearly did. So they're just doing New Zealand things, aren't they? Exactly. And you know, the difference between uh, New Zealand and South Africa in particular is that, um, that New, New Zealand almost expect to be in semi-finals of World Cups because they reach them all the time. And in fact, they've reached the last two finals. Um, and what happened to them four years ago um, has, uh, has, I think that they've, um, they've been imbued with this very well-serving uh, reminder over the last four years that the sun will always come up the next day. And I think South Africa's cricketers have got a 20-year history of thinking that the sun might not come up the next day if they lose. Um, Rob Walter is trying to change that, but um, you know it's a kind of it's a hereditary thing, and it gets passed on from generation to generation. Um, and there's this kind of big, cosy, great family, unite South Africa feeling about the Springboks because they'd won three World Cups before last week, and now they've won back-to-back World Cups. You know they've done it; they can do whatever they like, and everybody and they can say sport unites, and uh, we're all big one happy family, and. That's not the case with the cricketers. You know, it's kind of a, a bit of a nonsense. And the Department of Sport in South Africa have been sent, sent out this uh, email to, or this press release today, which is excruciating, absolutely excruciating. The whole country's behind you, blah, blah, blah. You know, as far as the players are concerned, we just, like, can, can, we, can we just take it ball by ball? <laughs> just over by over. You know what? Because we don't reach semifinals. 
we don't reach World Cup finals. We haven't got over the line yet. It's what Rob Walter said. You know, he said, congratulations to the Springboks. It's fantastic. They're an inspiration to all of us and the whole country. But they've won four World Cups and we haven't got over the line yet. So can you just leave us alone? We don't want the pressure of 62 million people on our backs. Let's just, we, we just want to be able to pick the googly. You asked Tom Latham a question, actually, because these two two sides, they're very contrasting in the way they go about things. Let's have a listen to what he had to say. Tom, South Africa's blueprint um, is uh, fairly obvious for all to see. I mean, they're basically playing G20 cricket with 30 overs to, to get there. Um, so early wickets is obviously the key, perhaps, to... to disturbing that blueprint um, and obviously Lockie would be important but would you uh, are you thinking that bowl your strike bowlers up up front and early wickets might be the key tomorrow yeah I think whatever game you play not just against South Africa I think it's important you know wickets are really important that's the way to, to stem the run rate as, as best you can by by taking wickets and, and that's not just at the top that's through the middle as well and, and as you said we've we've seen South Africa they're, they're running really hot at the moment and, and they've got a lot of power throughout their whole lineup. so um, you know what certainly wickets is going to be important and I guess it's just trying to understand the matchups as best you can and we certainly know we've got a, a world-class bowling attack as well and uh, you know when they're on song they're um, you know they're certainly very threatening so um, you know if they I guess bold to the best of their ability, then um, you know we'll certainly give ourselves a good chance. Um, but yeah, as I said, on the back of that, South Africa has a lot of batters that are in form, and um, it's certainly going to be a great contest tomorrow. How do you see this game going? Where will it be won or lost? Oh, early wickets. That's why I asked the question. Um, I think that any team can beat South Africa if they take wickets, a couple of wickets in the power play, put them under pressure. They do have a obviously, I think, the best top six um, in the tournament. I know that's a big comment um, compared to India's, but I do think that they that they do. So early wickets, I think if Lockie Ferguson can play, Trent Bolt uh, can be a bogeyman for South Africa. A um, couple of early wickets, bit of swing from him up front. Tampa Pavuma is susceptible to the inswinger from the left armour. So um, I, I think I, I, I think that uh, New Zealand have lost the last couple, have they, or two of the last three? Um, and um, I, I think that. Um, New Zealand could win, John. Um, I, I I wouldn't bet a lot of money on it, but um, uh, I I yeah, it depends. South Africa's blueprint, you know, it's it's fascinating. Um, if they if they do bat first and they make three hundred and fifty, then I think they'll win. But I, I just something in in me tells me that because they, they do everything the wrong way around. They beat all the big teams and they lose to the little ones. So I think that they might lose to New Zealand and then shock everybody by beating India at Eden Gardens in front of 70,000 on Sunday. That's going to be a massive occasion. Blimey. Well, that would be a massive occasion. Uh, let's hear from uh, Stuart Hess, a legendary South African uh, cricket writer uh, who is also out in India uh, covering the South African uh, side, and you caught up with him earlier. Let me uh, ask you about England before I ask you about South Africa. Um, nobody foresaw the defending champions having a campaign like this. What are your thoughts from the outside? What impressions have you taken away? Uh, firstly, very surprised. Secondly, the batting has, has really let them down. Um, been surprised that Joe has been as poor form-wise as he has been. Um, but 
I don't know how much cricket he's played coming into the tournament, and I think that seems to be a problem for quite a few of them. Um, you know, South Africa, Australia, India, especially, were playing fairly regularly. Um, their main players, anyway, were playing fairly regularly. Well, a lot of the Indian players, a lot of the England players, had um, time off before the tournament. Um, and that seemed a bit strange, and I think it's uh, reflected in, in the results that we've seen. Do you think they might have thought they were better than they are? They came in as defending champions, um, and I think they took a lot out of what they did at the World T20 and thought about all that confidence, so we're just going to take that. Um, so yeah, perhaps they drew too much confidence from T20 cricket, um, especially what a lot of the guys did at, at the T20 World Cup last year where Ben Stokes was, you know, in that, in that final. But, you know, they. I don't think there's, like I mentioned earlier, I don't think enough guys are informed, especially batters. And you've got to come to India, you better have batters informed. Is this going to be South Africa's here? Oh, I want to think so. <laughs> I really do want to think that. I mean, I'm hoping that. Um, they've, they're playing quite well. Um, the batters, as opposed to England, South African batters are informed. Um, the one thing about them at this tournament, and I'm not saying this wasn't the case at the other tournaments in, in, in other World Cup campaigns, but there's a very clear plan, and they are playing according to that plan. Um, you know, top six, we all said before this tournament, that's a really potent looking top six, especially the middle three, Parker, um, Miller and Klaassen. But they are just playing the way we think they can play, and that's been so encouraging to, to see in the first six games of the tournament. They've identified their limitations, haven't they? In the past, they've said we were going to the subcontinent, therefore we need three spinners, whether they're their best bowlers or not. Mm. And they don't really have all-rounders, um, as they have had in the past. So they've kind of built a blueprint around what they have and what they don't have. Yes, uh, and that comes down to the clarity, um, which you know I'm going to give a lot of credit here to Rob Walter, Shukri Conrad, even the, the test coach who worked with the, with the team at the start of the year when they had the series against England and, and performed so well. They seem to just come up with a very clear plan. They understand exactly what everybody's roles are. I mean, I was a bit surprised that they put so much confidence in Marco Janssen at seven. But this guy just seems to be the coolest cat going. You know, he's, he's so relaxed. He seems to enjoy whatever role it is. I mean, he's opening the bowling. He's batting at seven. He's smashing runs. Um, he's a hell of a good fielder for someone who's that big. Um, who's that, sorry, that tall. And he's been the surprise package for me, but within this very clear understanding of what it is that they are doing here and the way they want to play. Finally, who's going to be India? And more importantly, how? I was, I was wondering to myself this morning, I mean, they've taken care of everywhere, right? The batting is so powerful, and then they do what they did with the ball the other night, admittedly to an out-of-form England side, but Shami wasn't starting at the beginning <laughs> of the tournament, he's coming, he's like a nine wickets, is it, in two games? It's absolutely ridiculous, they've got so much depth. They're going to need to have an off day, but I think if, you, if you're South Africa and you're looking ahead to, to the game they've got to play on, on Sunday in Calcutta, you were looking at trying to drag them into a, into, a, into, a, into a fight. And I think that's where you've got to try and go really scrap for everything. Um, and then see if you can put them under a bit of pressure. Let's see where they go. Well, big thanks to Stuart. Uh, look, we'll wrap things up, uh, Manners. You've got to head off to the Rassi Vanderdessen uh, press conference. But it's, 
it's actually quite refreshing to hear Stuart speak about England there because there's none of the niceties is there. We're not, he's not dancing around. He's just come, come and say what maybe we should have all said a while ago. This stunk the place out. None of them are in form <laughs> and they were rubbish. Next, but in the next sentence, can South Africa, can South Africa really do it? Ooh, I'm not sure Stuart believes that they can, does he? No, <laughs> no, he doesn't because because there's so little room for manoeuvre um, and uh, adaptability. You know, I, I just think if you look at the previous winners of the, the last six or seven World Cups, they've won games in different ways. Um, I remember, you know, I remember so distinctly in 2003, Australia were 80 for eight or 80 for seven against Sri Lanka in South Africa, in Port Elizabeth. And Andy Bickle walks out at number nine uh, and scores 70. You know, and they they won games it, from ridiculous positions and in so many different ways. South Africa have got one way to win games. And I have to say that when it's right, I think they, they can and will beat everybody. They get that blueprint right, even against India. I think I think it's it's a it's an unstoppable machine. Um, but it's it's one dimensional. And um, and as I, I think I said to you a couple of weeks ago, it's like a tank. What are you going to do is dig a ditch and it, and it gets stuck, you know, and it's I think um, it, South Africa get it right in the semifinal and final. They'll win it. I just don't think, don't think it'll be very easy to get it right. <laughs> well, let's get to the final first. Manners, you head off to uh, the Van der Dusen presser. Um, you will be uh... Uh, on duty and uh, watching the game and providing match reports for Supersport and various other outlets throughout uh, what what could be one of the best games of the tournament. We shall see. Um, we'll have updates on TalkSport throughout. I'll be reporting for uh, throughout Breakfast and uh, Jim White, H&J and Drive if it gets that far. Uh, but for now, thanks for listening to following. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 